Hello, Daddy Gang. It is your father, Alex Cooper. Call Her Daddy will be taking a brief break this week, but we will be returning January 11th, 2023, New Year, with a brand new episode to kick it off. Please enjoy this older favorite episode from Call Her Daddy in the meantime. I hope you guys enjoy your holiday break. I love you all. I cannot wait for you to see who is kicking off the new year for Call Her Daddy. Until then, enjoy. (laughs) What is up, Daddy Gang? It is your founding father, Alex Cooper, with Call Her Daddy. Kiki Palmer, welcome to Call Her Daddy. We just started just like this. I yeah, love it. Yes, I love it. I love it. What's up? Guys, we're so cozy right now. This is literally the best vibe ever. And I'm like not just gassing her because I'm here with her. I'm letting you guys know. I'm so happy right now. <gasps> the chairs are comfy. We got Kiki her tea. Mm-hmm. We're like kind Hooked of zen today. We are. And I just, what I love about it so much is just that it's not what is expected. Like I imagined we, we were going to really- be like at a, a round table for some reason. Like I don't know what I thought. No. But this is what I needed. Yeah, this is not red table talk. This is like good vibes. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, you're like, cool. you're like, I wasn't ready for that. Talk about today. intensity. <laughs> yeah, no, we're like in our cozy big chairs. We're going to have a great conversation. So Kiki walks into my house and I was like, listen, I don't want you to get like freaked out, but I'm a big fan. Okay. For multiple reasons. Okay. <laughs> Akila and the Bee, jump in. <laughs> Come on, jump in. Uh, like, iconic movies growing up. Oh, my god! So it's like a cool Thank moment you. to, like, be in a room with you. That's literally so cool. Thank you so much. But. <laughs> but. The best thing I think that, like, really did it for me was your song, Bottoms Up. <laughs> it's still a banger. I listened so to it before dead. you got here. I always hear that it was very much so like a, a, a getting it round up song. Like <laughs> I remember the, the this lacrosse guys, lacrosse team was like, yo, we used to get pumped up in the locker rooms to Bottoms Up. Like the stories that I have of Bottoms Up like continue to amaze me each and every day. It's such a good hype up song and you're re-releasing the song. <laughs> yes, I'm doing the whole re-release gag. She's giving everyone what we need, which is a re-release. Okay, so my question is, how did that come about? Like, how did you decide? Well, you know, it's so crazy because Bottoms Up Life continued to grow. And it was it was probably like the biggest song on that, you know, my first album, So Uncool. But the label didn't really like feel it. They didn't really love it. They weren't really necessarily into the rapping. They, they felt like it wasn't all the way age appropriate. Like they had all these things that they felt... They really couldn't market it, but I'm like, the kids was getting it. So after all these years, I think I was kind of just like, well, I'm older now. Like, what would I, what kind of video would I give? Like if I were to do Bottoms Up again, it's like, I, you know, have my own label. I do my own thing now. Like I'm very independent. I'm solely independent. So I was like, you know, why not just re-record it, you know, do it again and do a video and kind of like give this Bottoms 2.0 type vibe and do it as an, as an adult. Did you change anything about the song? No, everything was literally the same. Like, I mean, I changed the part where I was like only 13, because I'm not 13. Right. right. Wait, what did you, what are you saying? Like you're so I say, um, wrote this at 13. Now your girl's a vet. Because she's a vet now. <laughs> this episode is presented by Sparkling Ice. 
Turn up summer with sparkling ice. They have over 17 anything but subtle flavors, all made with zero sugar and packed with vitamins and antioxidants. Iced tea and lemonade, strawberry watermelon, tropical punch, peach nectarine. Yum. Crank up the flavor, sparkling ice, anything but subtle. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Daddy gang, I get that there are some things you don't want to share, but bottling everything up inside can truly have some awful consequences. I remember growing up, I guess, honestly, the the truth is I was getting bullied and I was like so embarrassed to tell my family that because at home I was fine, but at school it was tough for me. And I just remember feeling so awful about myself and I kept it to myself and I dealt with it by myself and it literally just caused truly maybe like a decade of trauma. And later in life, now that I've processed it, I'm like, damn, I would have been so much better off if I had just talked to someone about it. It didn't even have to be my parents. Talking helps a lot. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. I have had such an incredible relationship and experience with therapy. I was so ready to get better and to better myself and understand myself more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient and flexible. It's easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists whenever you need to for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash daddy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash daddy. Two years ago, I became pregnant with a baby I desperately wanted. During a routine ultrasound, I learned that the fetus would have a fatal condition and never survive. I had to flee my own state to receive treatment. I think Donald Trump bears an incredible amount of responsibility for these restrictive laws. We need leaders that will protect our rights, and that's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. How is... The young Kiki that originally wrote this song, Mm. different from the woman who is releasing it today? That's such a great question. I'm a lot the same, but I'm also different, I think, in ways of just like, when I think about the whole music experience and my recording that song experience and just my life at that time, there was so much weighing on me in terms of like, who everybody wanted me to be. But now at 28, I think I'm much more confident in in believing that whatever I feel is right is right. I'm not struggling with trying to prove so much to the people around me. I'm kind of like, either you're going to get it or you're not going to get it. That's a great way that I feel like I've changed because that would have just driven me crazy to keep living like that. The evolution of your career is incredible because you started so young. You grew up in Chicago. Yep, yep, yep. Did you always want to move to L.A. and, like, be in L.A. and Hollywood? You know, I didn't ever, I never knew that L.A. represented that. Like, I didn't know, you know, being from a small town, like, I'm from, you know, where it's cornfields, farmlands, you know. I only knew art. I knew performing, like, singing. I knew acting because I heard about it from my parents. But my parents were theater people. So, you know, theater, you think New York, if anything. I never heard the idea of, like, Hollywood, you know, or, you know, that's where stars are made. I just kind of thought to myself, I want to be in entertainment. I want to sing. And then eventually when I found acting, I was like, I really want to act. And then from there, you know, my desire to act and to perform on film and television was how we found our way to, oh, the place to be is California, and pilot season happens here. And Do you remember your first acting job? Yeah, my first acting job was a Barbershop 2. I played Queen Latifah's niece. I had like four lines. 
Um, Wait, that's like a pretty huge role, though. Like, to like the fact you feel like people are like, I did this commercial. You're like the, that so casually. That's like your first role. What? Yes, I, I've heard this before, and I'm like, thank goodness, because I mean, I, 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 it's so funny. My mom used to say when I was younger, or I think she started saying it like after I had started getting work because it would have scared me maybe if she had said it in the beginning but she was like you know people wait all their lives to get one line and I'm like oh hell I'm like thank god thank god I wasn't waiting my whole life for you know but obviously it's a process you know and and, um but yeah that was the first role I did four lines and yeah okay so you obviously have siblings you have your family you guys eventually all move out to LA because your career is starting to take off what was the conversation do you remember like with your family about that move because it's like a pretty big deal yeah, you know, I think it was like, man, that's so interesting. I'm like, what did we all sit around and like kind of discuss? It? I think we did, but I was a kid. So like how much of it I remember, I don't know. But it was kind of as if the way the framework that I would put it in is like what you would do for an athlete. If your child really? loves soccer or basketball or whatever the sport would be, it's like, the family kind of just all gathers around. It's like this. They got this going and we got to support them. You know, this is their hobby. This is their skill and it's rolling and we got to support them. And everything with us was very like, support family it was always we're doing this together this is for you know her success is our success you know our success is each other's success and so I think that was just the kind of identity that we had going out there was you know what we're doing this as a family she's loving this we all love entertainment and arts and this is an opportunity for us to go to California see something new and different and who knows kind of vibe you're right it is kind of like everyone's success if like if you're succeeding but I also know like that's a lot of pressure and especially if like your whole family also you have an older sister right I do I do too and I'm sorry but what's the age difference we are four years apart mine's too and if my fucking older sister my family was like we're up and moving I would be like I hate you like yeah but that's exactly how she was okay no yeah for sure like like the consensus going there was positive but like all the emotions in the midst and the aftermath were not like totally when you're that young you can't help but be like Oh, like you look at your sibling and you're like, you're still a young kid. You don't, they don't see you as like successful or famous. Yeah, they don't even care about it. Like let us also shine and let us have our time. So I can imagine that like, that's like a big move for a family. Yeah. So you all move. How did that move and like that success affect and change your family? A lot. Like, I mean, we went through so many different phases. It went through the phases of... You know, how do we deal with the fact that I'm making so much money? You know what I mean? Or how do we deal with the fact that, yeah, the other siblings don't feel like they're getting enough uh, attention? Or my parents had to do a lot of switching off for that reason. Because after a while, it would kind of feel like mom's not around enough because she's always with Kiki. And so then they started really implementing that this movie, my dad goes with me. That project, my mom goes with me, which I think was helpful. You know, and then the whole fame thing, you know, me being popular when we going out. Oh, that really became a thing. Like, you know. I know everybody thinks the famous thing is cool, and I think it has some cool perks, but it really is also, like, very traumatizing in a lot of ways. And I think it really traumatized my family for a good long period of just having to deal with how people treat them to get to me. You know, the kind of the the thing of, like, oh, this person was only my friend because they wanted to get to you. I think that causes, like, feelings of resentment or just frustrations. And so we had to work through a lot of that stuff. It was just a lot. I don't think anybody is prepared for that. There's no like guideline or handbook someone hands you like this is exactly how you do it. So this your life is going to change at this date, Bingo. and then I can imagine. Oh my gosh, I think I'm right? about to write that book. Right, you should. <laughs> By the when you when when it all happens, 
this is how it goes. Guys, girl, but, you done gave me a new book. Do you know what I mean? Hold on, like, let me write this straight down. up, write it down because I've always girl. thought about it. I'm like, don't come for my money. Though, I will. With I the will. Book. You, you can have it. You heard it here, Kiki Palmer. You have all the rights to that idea because you've lived it. Think about how, like, how are the parents supposed to act? Like, even hearing you talk about that with your your mom and your dad, it's like at the end of the day you are one of your siblings. Yeah. And so like, yeah, to the world, you're like Kiki at the time, famous and successful and everyone's like obsessed with you. But like, what about your sister? And like, what about your younger siblings? Yep. And so everyone has a different way that they're affected by oh it. Oh my gosh, yeah. And no one can relate. You know, the thing that I envied the most in that situation was they all had each other to relate to. Oh. And I had no one to relate to my experience. Right. So it really made me feel so isolated in my family after a while because it's like all y'all together get it and feel the same way about how all this is affecting you. But who can identify with my experience? If somebody thinks you are successful or they think that you have the things that they wish that they had, they immediately think that means that you're exempt from any human feelings. And yeah. it's like, to me, it's, I wish, you know, I wrote a book before where I talked about this where it's like I hope I can show people that no matter even if you have all the superficial things that people think that you should have you are not still going to just be happy I'm I've you know I've had to deal with depression all type of things all my life and it's like if I'm somebody that you look at and you think has it all let me tell you right now I still don't have it all you know, it's, it's just, it's not how life works. Hearing you talk about 13 year old, you for like 12, thir like very young age to be like experiencing this type of fame. I mean, how old were you when you actually popped off? Like, yeah, popped off for like 13. 13. I mean, if we're talking about popped off, popped off 15, 15. to Jackson VP. Okay, 15. I had braces. <laughs> I was on Accutane. I was girl. Awkward. I did Accutane I, too. The shit came I, back. I did it literally like yo. Yours is perfect though. Yeah, still. you're catching me on a day where like yes, I'm happy about it. Feels <laughs> she's right like now. she's smiling. By the way, guys, Kiki, she's like I know, Kiki, I know. Three plus rounds. Uh, yeah, you did three, three. rounds. Pro probably something's wrong with my inside <laughs> by now. <laughs> like, but that shit. But that like, skin is. Dude, thank you. But <laughs> okay. it, it's like. You know, when I get you, it, babe. I when, get it. When you're a breaking out, when someone says like, oh, you have a nice skin day. Like, it's almost like you don't feel it yourself because you're I'm Ooh, waiting for the haunted by the pimples. Now, that's also let me write that down. Yeah. For a book. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's a thing. Right. You know, waiting. I hate how that happens as a human being. Once things are habitually terrible, even when they're good, you can't even be happy about it because you're waiting for the terrible to pop back in. I'm just that. like waiting, like I can feel something coming. I'm like, <laughs> just don't. And like, I and I still see like the scars and like, so uh, just like I relate, babe. We, we I relate. But um, <laughs> what I was saying is like at 15, it's not normal to have that many people looking at you. And then yeah. I also w heard you what you said, and that was my next question was you're making a shit ton of money at that age, which mm. again is not really a normal thing for a 14, 15 year old to be doing. Mm -hmm. How did being the breadwinner of the family affect young Kiki? Ooh, I think it did both ways. Like, cause there was one time where I was like, I'm making all the money and I gave a little attitude, but that was like, I, I can literally tell you that was like, if not one time, a handful of times. Because, I mean, I grew up in a black household, in a very strict household, because so they just popped my ass back. So I didn't really go too crazy with the whole, ah. But I will say, more than anything, it made me feel like I had to be so in my place all the time. They do this to child actors all the time, where it's like, don't be like this person. And I forget there was like a child actor that like, it was a popular line that ended up in, or I think he admitted or he said it, where... 
his mom was like, go to your room. And he said, they're all my rooms. It's like, that's the thing that haunts like every child actors. Like, don't be the asshole. Don't be the asshole on set. Don't be the bad. Like, don't, don't make everybody else feel bad that you're making more than them kind of vibe. So it ends up making you just feel like you got to be a people pleaser all the time. And like, you don't have any moments to like really, you know, step into your own dignity because yeah. everybody is always feeling so insecure about you making so much money. And it's like, damn, like, what do I do? Like, I, I can't really know what to do with that. It makes for some great therapy sessions. I can only imagine <laughs> it's a crazy, crazy world. It is. You... It's hard. And then it's like, everybody want to judge your parents. So then it's like, you now got to defend your parents to everybody else. You know, yeah. it, it, it's just such a, as much as I love the fact that I started so early, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so happy that I that I was able to start my career at the age of nine and, and was able to experience the success I've experienced and the fun, great memories that I've had. You know, it's really something that I think people really got to be prepared for and really got to try to, you know, do as much research and things as, 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 they, as they can because it's not fun. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a it's not an easy ride. I can already feel it. Like you're not saying at all you're not grateful for everything you have. Right. But I'm I so do grateful. think that sometimes like it's helpful to peel that lens back because I think social media, especially recently, like everyone wants to become internet sensation famous. Yeah. And then it's like you're looking at the kids that become it and like they look pretty fucking miserable. Yeah. And so like we're all human beings. We're all going to go through the same emotions of sadness, you know, stress. And, and, no, like, and no one really wants fame. Everybody just wants to be seen. Yeah. But they think that that's what fame's going to do them. But fame actually doesn't, is, you're not seen. Right. You're actually more unseen because you're famous based off of perception that other people have for you. So, you know, and then, and then it's the whole thing of, oh, you know, where well, you asked for this, right? Well, we have so many different categories of performers. All I asked for was to be on a damn stage, <laughs> yeah. cry a little bit on cue, laugh on cue, make somebody else laugh. Like, that's really what draws me into it. And so I feel like, just like most people, except for people that genuinely do want fame, they're drawn to what they do for different reasons. They want right. to express, they want to emote, they want to get their feelings out. They want to, you know, make someone feel a certain way. They want to give in some way. I think there's also that aspect of being a performer is you're giving constantly. Yeah. Want to be famous and they finally get in there and they look miserable is because oh shit I'm even more unseen yes. than I was before what do you think the reaction from your family would have been if you had announced that you needed to take like a year or two off from acting when you were like 15 16 oh my gosh that used to haunt me girl I used to I, I this is gonna sound really dark but it's fine okay because I, I I am owning my humanity and I think it's important for people to hear because as a kid I used to be like I wish a car just hit me right now just so I could you know, not feel the guilt of wanting a day off. Like, I would literally want stuff like that to happen. Like, let me just break my leg. Like, wouldn't it be great if I... Like, I know that sounds so no. terrible, but that is literally how horrified I was and how guilty I would feel to take a break at that age. And it, that's something that still haunts me to this day. Like, where it would be like, I would feel like the only way that I could take a break would be like a tragic thing happening. Why do you think you felt that? I think it was just a lot to process, like being a child entertainer and knowing that my family uprooted their entire lives for me to do something. And, you know, if I stopped, like, I, I think I think it's also like maybe un, an unrealistic level of responsibility, thinking that I that it was like, oh, my family's just going to fall apart without me. Like, I think I also was like that was a little bit I don't know what you would call that. Like, but I think that was a little bit maybe egoish. Yeah, like egotistical in a lighthearted, like a light way where I kind of felt like they're not going to survive without me on top of 
just feeling like I'm going to let everybody down. You know, it was a bunch of things mixed up. You probably also felt that way again because you're so young and like you're being probably made to feel that way. It's like Kiki's got to work. Kiki's going to work like Kiki's doing this. And it's like, although they're not like forcing you to do it, but like it almost becomes routine. And I think like a lot of people can relate in any aspect of a life when like a routine gets formed in a family of like someone does this, another person does this. Like, Like if I don't do my part. Oh, shit. what all happens? What it all breaks, happens? Yeah. And then it was, oh, my gosh, I was thinking something that I was going to say. But oh, it's also like what you were saying, like uh, before about something else where it's like, I do love performing. I do love performing. So how do I explain and how do I tell you or how do I get it across that? I just don't want to do it all the time. Like, it was hard for me to believe that the two could exist, Yeah. that I could turn down an opportunity or not want to do something and still love it the way that I do. Did anyone ever ask you like, hey, Kiki, do you want to take a break? (laughs) Yeah, but it was always like, okay, if you want to take a break, then it's like we got to call the folks and let them know that I guess you don't want that opportunity and everything they designed. Hopefully they didn't go through with it already. And so so I just was like, fuck it. Like, (laughs) I'll fucking do it if it'll shut y'all asses up. Like, that's how I felt. Like, I felt really old, you know, like a very old, old lady. Like, you know what? Just do it. Just book me in there. Yeah. Fine. Here we go. I'll shut up. I'll literally, show up. Literally. What was the most difficult aspect of being a child star? Damn. It, all of it. Uh, the <laughs> most difficult? I think being so, feeling so alone. Mm-hmm. I felt so alone. I'm telling you. Like, it was, it's such a loneliness. I would not wish on my worst enemy. You know, there's no way out of this. You know, I just it was just really a sense of like hopelessness as it pertains to human connection and interaction. And that's something that I thrive on. It's what made me love performing. And now I can barely connect to people and people can barely connect to me. Oh, no. What's I can never go back. You can never go back. Once you're famous, you can never go back. Justin Bieber doesn't have to do a song another day in his life. It's still going to be like, oh, that's Justin Bieber not doing a song a day in his life. Like, it's going to always be. It's going to always be. Kiki Palmer did that. Kiki Palmer's not doing that. Kiki Palmer's, you know, it's that realizing that you can, like, there's most things in life. I mean, except for the past, most things you can you can come back from. You can you can like, all right, I'm out of it or I moved on from this. But fame you can never go back. Looking back now as a wise grown-up that you are, <laughs> what advice would you have given younger working child star Kiki? Just keep living. And I, my mom used to always say that to me. And I would just be like, what the hell? Like, just keep living. You know, like, what does that even mean? But, like, I think it really means, like, just keep living. Yeah. And I'll say this to anybody that has dealt with depression or suicidal ideation or just wanting it to be over. It's like, just keep literally and metaphorically living because what ends up happening is motions fade and things change. You know, life is about highs and lows. And when you're the kind of person that really deals with depression and things like that, you really, what happens in those moments is all you can focus on is the low. All you, all your, you know, it's very black and white. It's like, I'm happy or I'm sad. And once you're sad, 
you can see like that's what depression is it's hopelessness it's not seeing the end of something it's not seeing over the edge and knowing that there's is going to be a better tomorrow but what happens when you keep living when you don't shut the door when you don't call it quits is you able to look at your past and say I know it is going to get better right. right now I'm depressed this might last a year this might last 20 minutes this might last an hour but guess what I know from the past that it's going to be okay. Such good advice. Okay, Kiki. Let's discuss relationships. Ooh. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. Do you ever find yourself looking at your full wardrobe, but still feeling like you got nothing to wear. Well, gather around, Daddy Gang, sax.com. You're going to find instant inspiration for that date night, for that impromptu vacation, okay? Maybe you need a new dress because one of your friends is getting married soon, okay? So if you're looking for a new style or want to build a better relationship with your closet, then head to Saks.com to shop for everything on your agenda. This episode is brought to you by Monday Hair Care. Daddy gang, nobody likes Mondays. Am I right? (laughs) We're all sobbing. We're all sobbing and we're barely getting out of bed on a Monday. But Monday Hair Care is here to flip the script with its award-winning formulas. No more bad hair days. Daddy gang, Monday Hair Care is turning Mondays into a reason to celebrate good hair, which I love, thank God, with seven new products like a leave-in conditioner, dry shampoo, a curl line, and body wash. And daddy gang, every single thing is under $10. Yes. And the smell is to die for. Okay. I want my hair smelling like something that Matt wants to be engulfed in. I want him to come out to me and go, oh my God, you smell me. Oh my God. <laughs> what is that in your hair? So daddy gang, reclaim the week with Monday at all leading retailers. Visit mondayhaircare.com to find a stockist near you. This episode is brought to you by Sparkling ice. Have you tried sparkling ice yet? It's got great flavor, plus vitamins and antioxidants and no sugar. Sparkling ice is soda if soda had substance, okay? They've got more than 15 flavors with just the right amount of carbonation, kiwi, strawberry, orange, mango, black cherry, And don't get me started on the pineapple coconut flavor. Mm -mm. One sip and you're on spring break. So ditch soda and enter your flavor era. Sparkling ice, anything but subtle. Let's discuss relationships. You have been open about a codependent relationship you were in. You also wrote about it in your book. Yes. I've actually never really talked about codependent relationships on this podcast. So this is like a great topic to help a lot of like younger women or men listening. Oof. How do you define a codependent relationship? Um, it's a relationship where, I mean, there's a lot of different ways mm-hmm. that you can define it. I think if I'm just trying to give a stab at it, it's kind of like a relationship, whether it be parent, child, mm-hmm. uh, lover, or friend, where you kind of need that person or look to that person to provide your own like security within yourself like a like an independent and a healthy relationship would be you having boundaries and not looking for somebody else to be there, make you feel good about things that you have to make yourself feel good about. It's like you having the ability to kind of do things 
on your own. Um, you know, and when you're sad, making yourself feel better. When you're mad, calming yourself down. It's like uh, it's it's the being codependent or having a codependent relationship is the opposite of you exercising your personal autonomy. <laughs> Like drop. You're I bet like your definition is better than Google. Like that stop. Was, no, but it was so. That's so because you're you. speaking from experience. And that's exactly. When yeah, it, it hits right. When were you personally in a codependent relationship? Oh, all my life with my mom. Oh, okay. All my life. All my life. All my life. Um, all my life. Been grinding all my life. No I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. All my life with my mom. My mom is like my. You know, I always have to fight the codependency of that relationship. I mean. Because, you know, I leaned on her for everything. You know what I mean? And and it was just like no clear boundaries are set. You know, when she's upset, I'm upset. When I'm upset, she's upset. It's like it's too much. Like we're just, you know, and it's literally like that. Like I could get into a fight with somebody and she's calling him crying. And it's like, Sharon, you can't do that. Sharon, they don't. No. You don't even know them. You know, she's like, what you did to her. And she's like. And she feels it. It's like crazy. So, yeah, that's my, like, I've had other ones, but I think, like, that's, you know, my introduction. I think that's most people's introductions to codependent relationships. It's through their, like, where you learn your first relationships is with your parents. And mine was a little bit codependent because of just just the way it was. Do you think that you, when you got into a romantic codependent relationship, did your codependent relationship with your mother adjust because you were now in one in a romantic relationship? No, I just had two. Yeah. I just had two. I just had two codependent relationships, you know, and then they, and then they, the danger is in that is also like, it's such a hindrance to the intimacy that you can build with the partner because I just go to, instead of dealing with us or dealing with me, I'm going to my mama. Let me tell you what this motherfucker did. And I'm just doing it again. Got it. You know, instead of doing what needs to be done, which is either saying, I'm going to set this boundary with you and I'm going to deal with this on my own. Or I'm going to talk to my therapist. I'm going to write it out. I'm going to come to my own conclusion, understanding. It's like now I'm then asking my mama what to do with you. And I know so many probably like people listening are probably like, Am I in a codependent relationship? Like, I what? think a lot of people are. It's, okay. It's, I've, I've, I would guess that most people are, like, at least 50-50. Right. You know, or at least if it's not 50-50 or, shit, 100, mm-hmm. then it's like you might dip in and out. Because it's hard. Like, being a, the whole human thing, that's the thing. Like, it's hard to do that shit alone. Like, it's, right. it's hard to know the right choices to make and the things to do. And it's so much easier, like, if you just, like, let go of the will and let somebody else decide for you. 1,000%. <clears throat> specifically for like romantic relationships if someone's listening from your experience what are like warning signs that you can kind of be like you know what I'm I'm catching myself that's indicating you're in an like unhealthy codependent oh, yeah. situation I think the number one thing for me that lets me know is like if I'm if I'm afraid to go hang out with my friends like if I'm afraid to like oh I don't want to hurt their feelings because you know I know they want to spend time with me and you know what I'm not going to hang like so once you start abandoning your own personal desires for the relationship out of like you don't want to hurt their feelings or you're afraid they'll get mad at you or you are already thinking about when you might need them. So you're going to do this to make sure like when you got to do stuff like that, it's like you should feel comfortable in your relationship to be like, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. Bye. Totally. 
you know, or I'm going to go do this. Bye. So again, obviously you can continue to work on like your relationship with your mother for the rest of your life. But when it came to romantic relationships, obviously those relationships come to an end. And I can imagine those relationships are really hard to break up with someone, especially when you're in a codependent relationship. Can you explain like, how did you come to realize like, it was time to end it. And like, how did you mentally get there to end a codependent relationship? Mm, That's really hard. It's really hard with that codependent relationship to move on because there's too many intertwinings and everybody is like so, so upset. It's all a lot of guilt tripping and shit. So good luck. But um, I think for me, I kind of just like what happens is, I haven't been setting many boundaries, Mm -hmm. which is why we're in this position. And so what I do then is set every damn boundary I got. Like, it's like, it's like the boundary wall is like made out of tyranium. I don't even know if tyranium is real. It's like, it's made out of tyranium. (laughs) It's like, it's such a huge boundary wall where it's like, I can't even tell you we're done. Like my boundary is now so high that I don't even have to, I don't even want to tell you that it's over because it's for my personal best interest to not speak to you at all. And so I just literally go cold turkey like that. Wow. Because I remember in your book you talk about how, like, you kind of almost knew for a year. and Oh, yeah, I- a lot of mental preparation as well. But I don't know. That's very Virgo of me. A lot of mental preparation. I leave a relationship about six months before I actually speak. To- totally. Mm-hmm. And that's also such a good, first of all, I would like to say, like, I think we need to be easier on ourselves when it comes to getting out of a relationship. If you are in a relationship and you know you want to leave and you're having a trouble, like having a hard time getting out of it for yourself and you're like trying to gain the courage. I think the first step is like, do not beat yourself up. It's so fucking hard. Mm -hmm. And like, I think like, especially as women, sometimes we get like really down on ourselves of like, when you look back, you're like, did I stay in that too long? No, like, don't look at it that way. It's hard to get out of shit. And and it's hard to like mentally wrap your head around how to leave something that like you did love and and maybe you still do have love for. So were you in therapy during that yeah, time? Yeah, so therapy I'm big on. I'm big on therapy. I, I, I always have a therapist Same. at some point, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I was in therapy and the therapist usually will help give you tools, you know what I mean? If you talk to them honestly about what you're going through and really are trying to work through it, then they'll be able to give you some helpful tools. But yeah, I think the mental preparation, like you said, being easier on yourself and giving some mental preparation for what you're about to do is it's important you know nobody just jumps into a backflip or splits they stretch first you know what I mean they do they do right or you're gonna strain your ligaments and it's gonna hurt like a gonna really hurt so when I do all that mental preparation it does help for when I do actually make that decision I'm like boom yeah you know and it and it and it it's it seems like cold turkey but it actually has been mentally in my mind and that's how I do anything I that's why I hate when somebody brings up work to me, like, for the for, for the following day. When it's like, by the way, do you want to do this tomorrow? Hell no. I need to pre- mentally prepare. So I think mental preparation in general is like, mm-hmm. woo. I agree. It's important. So we kind of touched on this earlier. And you wrote about it in your book. You've been open about struggling with acne. I have been open about it on my show when I was younger in high school. It was awful. And it's really debilitating. And it, you can't explain it unless... You just feel so stupid. Like, I hate how. Like, as if it's a personality trait. Yeah. Like, as if you want that to be happening. Like, it. Oh, I could just start crying thinking about the the amount of days of school I skipped. Like, 
faking that I had period cramps. Yep. I wasn't even on my period. And it was like fully just because of like the breakouts. But you have been open about it, which I really respect. How did you make the decision to just like open up and talk about it? Like you said, it's so debilitating that I think I was just looking for a way to like make myself feel like I was like loving myself. You know what I mean? I wanted my wanted to make me feel like you don't have anything to hide from anybody. You know, you're beautiful. You know, so I think that's just really what it was for me was me being like, I'm not going to be ashamed and keep this kind of energy in the dark. You know, I'm not going to feel like I have to like prove anything to anybody. I'm going to, you know, stand here with my arms stretched wide and be open and be accepting of me. Let me know that I love me regardless. Which is hard at times. And it is. when you experience a breakout, how do you combat the insecure feeling, the anxiety feeling of going through a breakout? Man. Ugh. I, I really sometimes just let it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's different vibes, different times. Like sometimes I'll like, you know, you know what? We're going to work on this yeah. and we're going to do a nice little mask and we're going to blah, blah, blah. You know, I try to do a bunch of stuff, turn into a damn esthetician. <laughs> and then other times I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stay inside and I'm going to just, you know, really not even just talk to anybody. You're just going to be like, let myself be sad about it. Yeah. Put on a good show. Other times I'm like literally crying in the mirror, looking at myself saying, you're beautiful. I love you. It's okay. You know, you're going to get through this. It's going to be all right. It's going to get better. You know, other times I'm looking online for the nearest doctor, Absolutely. you know, near, I'm going to be active about it. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, there's always a different energy, but I think most, most importantly, the thing that's common about all those things is that I do what I need to do in the moment yep. that, I, you know what I mean? With that, I try to be real easy on myself and just let me feel and do what I need to do in that moment because it ain't going to, there's no quick fix for the skin shit. There's not. It's like, Y'all motherfuckers done figured out how to make people have huge asses and shit, like, but not how to fix the acne. Come on. Like, that pisses me the hell off. Right. How we got all this plastic surgery, people can change their eye color. Right. You can get fake ass teeth. You can't get my skin clear. What the Come hell on. is going on? It's so, like, I remember in high school, I used to, like, coat my face with makeup and in and in college I would play sports and like it's not cool to be like wearing makeup when you're playing a sport but I was doing it all of a sudden I started just being like the first one in the room to be like I'm breaking out so bad so it's like I owned it yeah instead of like I know you're all staring so fuck you I'm gonna own it first it can't get to me because I'm not hiding anything yeah so it's like a freeing of yourself something else that you made me think of too was I also believe that there's an element of like spirituality to the skin thing. And like when we talk about all the stuff like me as a kid and everything like that, I feel like I feel I felt so unseen and I felt like everything was covering me up in the same way that I felt about like my skin. Like it like feel like how I felt inside is how it was like the physical expression was like the acne kind of just like covering me all up. And I will say, although I'm, you know, I'm not taking any pills or anything now, my skin is definitely getting better. I go to see an esthetician. I do my routine. I do my thing that I can. I try to stay away from the foods that I know that trigger me. But more importantly, I'm doing a lot of personal self work as it pertains to like owning my boundaries and, and saying what it is I want to say and being true to myself. And I, and I do feel like in a lot of ways that's, you know, relieving me of my skin problems as well. Like, I think that also was so stressful, trying so hard to be everything and holding everything in, you know what I mean? Like, that it really physically became, like, a manifestation as well. Like, I mean, that's just my spiritual 
feelings about it as well as yeah. actively doing things to change it. But it's like, I do feel like there's something to be said about it. This is not a decision you made that you're like, it, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah, I think that's beautiful and a great way to look at it as well. Changing your rela- relationship with the acne is a way to also, you know. Yeah, and I so will true. say, we all know we're so much more hyper-focused on it than someone else. It, so it's really all in our head a lot of the time. And not no to one, diminish. And no, but it is. And no one is perfect. Yeah. You yep. know, it's just Straight like, up. fuck it. I, I'm the girl with the skin shit. Fuck it. You You're know what I mean? a great fucking person. I'm like, a great it, it person. Yes, like, it, it doesn't are. define who you are. It, it, can't, it can't at the end yeah. of the day. And by the way, let's be real. Did it stop anybody from liking you when you had the acne? It ain't stop me. Yeah. So it's like people really don't give a shit. Uh, like, girl, you still gonna get laid? Ain't no, ain't no dude saying, ah, the one thing she had was a pimple. I mean, he, that fucks. would be nuts. So it, it don't, really, it ain't really stopping nothing. You know. Such a good point. Look at us. We're just empowering over here. Let me check. We're still recording. Oh my gosh! Thank God. Okay. So let's do some girl talk because my listeners are called the Daddy Gang, and we need help. What's more important to you in a relationship, physical attraction or emotional attraction? I mean, definitely emotional, yeah, emotional attraction. I mean, I definitely want something nice to look at, yeah. but <laughs> it, it, it needs, I need the emotional. Don't you also feel like when you have the emotional, it no matter what makes them more attractive? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like if someone is, you can connect on such a deep level immediately they become so much more physically attractive, not actually even just their looks, like by like your attraction sexually to them. It's like, damn, you're a cool ass human that I connect with. It's true. Okay, next. If you are best friends with a couple and you know one of them cheated, would you tell the other partner? Oh, no, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. I would not do this. No, Mm -mm. I wouldn't do it. Um... I would think long and hard about it. And, you know, if, if if push came to shove, maybe I would do an anonymous note, anonymous email type thing. I know that's cowardly, but it's like, how am I going to single-handedly be the one who brings it? You know, that I don't want that kind of uh, I get that. Because I think if you're, I think if you're, friends with both of them equally it's like this is a messy situation maybe you could have a conversation with the person like listen obviously I know I'm just wondering if you're like gonna ever share this like because I'm in a weird position but most of the time I feel like whenever someone gets there's a cheating situation to get involved with it is so messy because somehow it always blows back on you and you're like because they're gonna get back together right and and you the messy bitch they're Mm -hmm. gonna say caused it Mm -hmm. all they're gonna the person who they cheated with they're not even gonna be in the totally anymore it's gonna be you totally because you told and it's different if it's your like best friend you're like bitch i know he cheated on you exactly different but if it's like a couple that is in your friend group you're like stay out of it it's messy yes i agree with you okay what is worse physical cheating or emotional cheating emotional cheating mm-hmm. for me it's emotional always is yeah the one yeah oh no 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 emotional oh no oh no oh it's no, so no, sad no, no, i'm like oh, <laughs> tiktok yes, you yeah, know, yeah. No, no, yes. No, no, no you're right it's really disheartening to think about but like i agree with you i think that <laughs> 
it's just like to conceptualize like a partner that you're so close with like feeling the need to like emotionally Open up to someone yeah. else that means that you are emotionally not have not been available enough mm-hmm. it's i mean there's no way not to take that personal i mean obviously physical cheating can be personal as well yeah. oh you you know i feel emotionally not safe in this yeah. relationship or i'm resentful and holding something back so i cheated or i cheated because i just was weak in that moment you know yeah. things with the, the physical cheating there are ways for it to not be personal i right. think as much as I feel like emotional is always personal. We're getting all down in the dumps. We're like, oh my God, this is depressing. Yeah, thinking about that really made me so mad. Yeah, right? It's sad. What are your thoughts on once a cheater, always a cheater? I don't think that's true. I rebuke that kind of thing. I agree. In every aspect. Once this, once that. You know, no, 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 no. No, yeah, I think it's just kind of like, you cannot hold people in their sin, quote unquote. You cannot hold somebody in their worst moment, you know, or their past or who they used to be. Like, I just think that's so unfair to even put that over people's lives to be like, yeah, once you did that, <laughs> you're done. It's just a very bitter way to look at life. I agree. Uh, you know, I think that kind of phrase or that kind of thinking it, it, that then is applied across the board. And what you're essentially saying is you don't believe that anyone can change. And I do believe people could change. I agree to with you. sometimes my detriment. So, <laughs> okay, can a friend date your ex under any circumstances? <laughs> now you know the answer to that. Girl. He's staring at me like, "Why are you even asking?" You know that one. Have, that is a hell no across the board. It's so sad to me. Like, I have a lot of women that will write in being like, "My one of my like really good friends is dating one of my exes that like I used to be in love with in college." Burn and it feels the bitch right. on fire. Literally, it's like what the fuck? I'm like, that's also just like friend code of like then that's not really your friend i feel like there are millions of men in the world i know women are more they're more women but it's like god <laughs> damn a lot of men <laughs> right it's like come on you didn't have to pick this guy yeah it's like so you was waiting on him to become single was you waiting on the timeline of oh you have five years so he's can be dateable to you yeah. like there's so many other guys i agree like if someone's listening and you were struggling with that like i've had women write in being like is it unreasonable for me to get upset the answer is no and i think if anything it just gives you an indicator of what that friendship is yeah and and to the people that thinking well me and him just click and it's just like you know i deserve to be happy too it's like bitch you could be happy with anybody stop playing and stop lying because everybody always say that then they break up with the dude two years later or a year later or five months later and it's like you fucked up your friend and your relationship over this dude that you didn't even really continue with so it's like just stop lying to yourself he's not the one i agree you know he's not the one you're looking for a moment And it's not worth it. Yeah. Okay. How early on in a relationship, if ever, do you talk about whether or not you want kids in the future? Oh, I'll talk about it quick. I mean, I feel like also like I'm 28, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm not getting any younger. And my thinking is kind of like, I don't really want to waste my time with somebody if they're not even you know, on the same page with me as far as something like that goes. I agree with you. I think obviously it can go, you can go about it. Like I could see sometimes people could go about it the wrong way of like, so how many kids do you want? Like, well, I want them soon. The delivery is a little aggressive and like pressureful, but I think you can also like own it like that. It's your decision. I want this many kids. Like, do you want kids? Yeah. Chill. Yeah. I think it's not like, it's so funny to me how some people can't be chill and they are like that, but it's like, I feel like there's nothing wrong with it, but how you just did it is exactly how it should be 
done. Like, like, um, yeah. So, you know, like I was talking to my sister, like, I know one thing's for sure. Like, I definitely want kids. She yeah. has the best kids ever. Like, just breeze into it. Yeah, like a <laughs> chill convo. Like, don't go about it too aggressively because it can really scare him. And like maybe you're not trying to come across that way, but like check yourself before you bring it up. Okay. Kiki, have you ever gone through a partner's phone? Oh yeah. Yeah, me too. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> We're not proud. I, I hate when people are like, I would never, like, I've never done that. I would Shut, never. Up. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. You are not human. <laughs> yeah, literally. Okay, you probably one that need your phone going through. Talking about you ain't never been through nobody's phone. So have, what, did you find shit when you did? Uh yeah. I've been mm-hmm. in situations where I found stuff and there's been situations where I was I sleuthed day and night and found nothing. Man. That's the worst. That's then- the worst. You feel like shit. You're like, damn. And then you almost like can't stop because you're like, well, eventually I will find something. So you just like keep digging and it's like, sweetie, stop. You need to stop. And then there's the moments where you sweetie, open it. Take your hand off his <laughs> face trying to get the damn face thing to come up. <laughs> it's like, do not have him do facial recognition at night. Like, just go to bed. Go to bed. Because every time you've looked since, nothing's there. Yeah. But I've actually had a relationship where I was like, I have this feeling. And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, pull out your phone. Show it to me. And it was like kind of a moment where I was like, I could do this while he's asleep because <laughs> I can do that. But I'm going to just actually ask him to pull yeah. pull it out and not his penis, his phone. Right, right. That was funny. And, right. And then he pulled it out and it was right there. Everything I thought. So like, trust your gut. Trust Girl, your wait gut. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He really did. He, so he listened to you. When you, when you uh-huh. Asked. I did that one time too. Like, let me see your phone type vibe. And the guy, first of all, he was like six, eight or six, nine yeah. or some weird shit. Some and he's, shit. he's like, he's like, you want to see my phone? You want to see my phone? And like reached his arm back like this. I'm like, how the hell am I see your phone from over there? You got a wingspan of like, <gasps> yeah, what? Your wingspan like is like above his head. Yeah. You're like, so now that's seven feet. Feet, right feet, like how like, the what? hell am i gonna see and like at that point i'm like motherfucker fuck yeah, like, fuck you're it. you think i'm stupid like right. why would this be the what i would go for okay do you have any advice for people listening on how to get over getting cheated on <sighs> do i have any advice oh my gosh <laughs> like i'm here for you yeah i think after something like that i think it immediately attacks your self-esteem and like your confidence. So I think my thing, my thought would be to like try to get back into like doing things that make you feel really good about yourself. You know, really, really just pour into yourself at that moment in time um, to rebuild whatever has been fractured because of that kind of betrayal. Like really go out with your girlfriends, you know, get ready yeah. for a little trip, go on a trip. Do, you know, maybe if you don't want to do treat yourself that way, then just do a whole week of pampering, you know, get your hair done, get yeah. your nails done, you know, get you a massage, you know, or, you know what I mean? Like, I just like, whatever it is for you, that self-love and that self-treating, you need to maybe just spend time doing that to really try to remind yourself uh, that you love you and to just help you get through feeling just that betrayal. Take care of yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Only a couple more. Can exes be friends? I mean, I think they can be. I think they can be, but no ex wants to be friends with me you know because <laughs> that no it's like all of a sudden it got personal i'm like i wanted to be friends but they never want to be my friend I why think do you I'm, think that so i don't think it's personal actually i think it's just just that well you know what let me let me put it like this so i think that most of my exes don't want to be friends with me because they feel like they don't like that i'm like okay with being a friend 
I think mm. it's kind of like it's like a, a weird feeling of like they almost feel like they're being patronized uh-huh. by the fact that I'm being their friend. Like it doesn't Such feel like point. it's a genuine friendship. Like they just feel like I'm trying to be their friend to show them that I'm good without them, and they're right. <laughs> but that's besides absolutely right. <laughs> and you've got it figured out. <laughs> but besides that petty ass point. I've had a guy want to be, an ex want to be friends with me, and I didn't want to be friends with him. And I didn't because I was in a relationship. So sometimes people feel like it's inappropriate, you know what I mean, to be cool with your exes after yeah. that you're friends, you know what I mean, whatever. Or, you know, so it's like, I get it sometimes. It, you know, it doesn't, I'm, it doesn't happen to me all the time. Like maybe in the beginning of our breakup, I don't want to be friends with everybody, but eventually yeah. I'm like, we cool, you know. Yeah. And I also think like it's good to specify of like what friends means because I do think it's like, yeah, maybe it's a little strange if after a breakup you guys are texting all the fucking time and still FaceTiming. It's like set boundaries for yourself because you need to move on and take care of yourself. You broke up for a reason and you're going to have no opportunity to find someone new if you're still like hooked on that past. Yep. We're best friends. Like we're no, no. There's no need to be besties with your ex. Uh-uh. You, no. They've been inside that. of them or you've been inside of that. There's yeah, just no. Exactly. We it's don't, like, no, no, no. No, we don't oh, need no. that. Okay, Kiki, what is your ideal first date? Oh, yeah. I'm very like throwback, very casual or very eccentric. So it's like I would either like love to go like to like a museum or like a pop-up shop. Like I think that kind of stuff is fun, like an experiential type of date. I think that's kind of fun. But then also I like to just do regular, like something very like classic, like going to the drive-in, you know, something like this. Something chill. Mm -hmm. Because you also want to gauge like, I feel like you can keep conversation with anyone. And I feel the same about you. Yeah. But if you have that, if you're able to know what is your vibe, maybe if you know you're awkward on first dates, maybe you go on more of an experience so that you have like something to talk about. If if you're a talker, then you could go for a more chill, like drive in and just like chill and hang right up. We talk, talk, talk. And when we watching a movie, watching a movie. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Speaking of movies, as we wrap up daddy gang, Kiki is going to be in a huge movie this summer, okay? This summer, you're starring in Jordan Peele's next movie. He directed Get Out. He directed Us. And the name of the movie is Nope. Yes. I am so excited. I looked at the trailer. There's already 22 million views on the trailer itself. I'm like, holy shit, this is going to be huge. I want to ask, what is it like working with Jordan Peele, who is doing some of the most groundbreaking work in the industry right now man i really love jordan peele working with him is the best experience of my life thus far like he's such a a smart down-to-earth you know genuine creative with the with the true love for characters and a true respect for filmmaking and screenwriting and i think when it comes to being black and representation a lot of times you know, the expectation and obviously specifically because of him. And also I think because people sometimes don't know any other way to do it. Like for instance, with get out, they expect that because black people are the lead that it, it ends. It's it in some way is the gag of the whole storyline. Like the, the reason why they're black is because they're black. It's like always some, it's like always a gag to it. Um, and with get out, obviously he did that in a very genius way. Um, but then when it comes to us, like us was about capitalism and classism. Like it was, they, they, they happened to be black, but it, that was not what it was about, yeah. you know? And I feel like uh, just the way that he's continues to represent in that kind of way where it's like 
There's no think piece to the, the black piece. Right. <laughs> They're just black. But this is the story. Like, I really love and appreciate him for that because I think, you know, that's 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 really what representation is, whether it's being, you know, black people or women or, you know, the gag can't always be. Guess what? She's got a vagina. Right. Like, it's got a, you know what I mean? Right. And so I love that he that he's doing that, you know, and continuing to push the envelope as it pertains to, like, Black people is just some people, you know what I mean? And this is just a movie. And they This just, is who he chose as yeah. the actor yeah, that's for it. this part. Yeah. Yeah. This person's in this role, and this is the movie. I'm so excited, but I'm going to be honest with you. I am a fucking little wimp, and I always <laughs> want to watch scary movies, and I'm like, I'm going to cry. When you're filming a horror movie, does it ever go to the point where you actually get scared when you're filming? Yeah, I mean, it can happen, but it doesn't happen like I'm really scared. It happens like in the moment of the performance. Like, it's just like if you're crying or in a movie, if you're hyperventilating, eventually you could pass out. It's just because right. like literally our bodies, our breath is that like our breathing has that much control over like how we feel and how we okay. respond. So it's like, unfortunately, that is the kind of dangerous part of acting. You know, when you're driving your car, you're wasting gas regardless. Whether yes. you're going a long way or a short way, it's like the gas is still wasted. It's, yep. still, it's still being used. That's the same way that emotions are. Like, even though you're acting and they're not real, like, your emotions are still going through that. Like, right. you're still going through the pain and the exhaustion and the worry and the fear. And so after a while, my brow's being furrowed long enough and I'm breathing in and out real fast and looking <laughs> around side to side, shit, I am going to be scared. I'm like, shit, am I scared? When you're you know? filming these type of movies, do you have, like, weird-ass dreams and, like, nightmares or no? No, I just be stressed. Got it. I'm just stressed. I would be so stressed. Yeah, yeah, I'm stressed more than anything. It's like no nightmares. It's like, can I get to sleep? Got it. You know what I mean? It's like I'm just so stressed about making sure, like, did I, did, you know, was I, did I give the best performance I needed yep. to give? And oh, oh my gosh, what's going to happen tomorrow? And then for me, I think this is a good thing, but like in most of my productions, once a director pushes the envelope with me and they see that I deliver, oh Lord, I done fucked myself. I might get 10 more lines the next day, or I might end up getting a whole new scene. The director. First wanted you in one scene, now you're in every scene. You're like, and I'm like, like and you're like, that's such a compliment, obviously, it's but such I get a it. You're like, but it's like that. So then I really get on edge, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, oh Here shit, now he sees that I'm willing to go there, and it's like another crying scene, another. Screaming. Guess what? She's gonna jump off a bridge this time. You're like, like, no! I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, so wow. then I get really like, just like I have a lot of anxiety about totally. it. Totally, really, it really is a high pressure job. I know it doesn't like everybody just imagines as an actor, you just sitting on set and going to crafty. Yep, but it, it's not like it really like. Acting can really put a number on you. Yeah, I can only imagine emotionally. Like when I watch, especially horror films, I'm like, I cannot. I'm scared sitting here being completely horizontal, laying in my bed watching. I can't imagine being on set doing it. So I have, I have so much respect for you. Everyone listening, please mark your calendar. It's coming out July 22nd. I'm so excited to see it. Also, Kiki, just congratulations, like overall on your success. You're like such an inspiring human to be around you have such an amazing energy being oh in gosh, person you with you it's really crazy like knowing you on screen when I was younger and being like wow like she's so cool on screen like getting to know you in person I'm I sad. wish you the best I really do thank you so You're much so what cool. sign are you I'm a Leo Mar uh, August or August oh my god what are you I'm, I'm uh Virgo August 26th Oh my God, so we're kind of close. We're kind of close. Look at us. Kiki, thank you for coming on Call Her Daddy. Thanks, girl. Call me anytime. Woo! Girl, that was so cool. Oh really good. God.
This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Want zero dollar delivery fees? Try Dash Pass by DoorDash. Daddy gang, I love being home. I love to be cozy, comfortable, laying on the couch. I can't tell you how many times I need something, but I am too lazy to get up and get out of the house. And sometimes I need food or groceries, you name it. Dash Pass gets it delivered right to my door and yours too. It is only $9.99 a month. So I think it's a really good deal, Daddy Gang. So get $0 delivery fees on eligible orders with Dash Pass and new members get a 30-day free trial. Terms apply. Sign up today. This episode is brought to you by Monday Hair Care. Daddy Gang, nobody likes Mondays. Am I right? (laughs) We're all sobbing. We're all sobbing and we're barely getting out of bed on a Monday. But Monday Hair Care is here to flip the script with its award-winning formulas. No more bad hair days. Daddy gang, Monday Hair Care is turning Mondays into a reason to celebrate good hair, which I love, thank God, with seven new products like a leave-in conditioner, dry shampoo, a curl line, and body wash. And daddy gang, every single thing is under $10. Yes. And smell is to die for. Okay. I want my hair smelling like something that Matt wants to be engulfed in. I want him to come out to me and go, oh my God, you smell amazing. Oh my God. (laughs) What is that in your hair? So daddy gang, reclaim the week with Monday at all leading retailers. Visit mondayhaircare.com to find a stockist near you.